Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Average Jays. I'm Jay, Justin Ruiz. And I'm Jeremy Francois. So, guys, as you can tell by the title, we got something a little different for you today. So we're going to be talking about Turning Red. We're going to do a full spoiler cast. So listen, if you haven't seen it, oh, well. But today <laughs> we have our friends from the Film and Spirits podcast joining us as well, Sean and Fred. Sean and Fred, say hi to the people. Hey, people. Hello. Hey, people. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean and Fred, they run the, the Spirits and Film podcast, and they've been doing it since about July. And they have this really cool perspective where they sit down and they just have spirits and talk about films. So it's a great little turn, twist to, to do it on. And um, you know what? I'm just going to shut up and have you guys talk about it. So Sean, Fred, introduce yourselves. Do your thing. Just to get like rebound of what you said. Actually, we just drink. We don't talk that much. We just yeah, drink. by the end of the yeah. show, we're, we're just a I like mess. I like that. I just drink there's, with there's you guys. There's nothing of value, not at all. <laughs> no, <we're> joking. <laughs> yeah, but no. Thank you for having us. I mean, it's a, such an honor. It's such a pleasure. Um, yeah. So we've started Film and Spirits podcast last year in 2021, and I think we, uh, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we we're just looking for a more authentic way to share our love for movies and also for spirits. Uh, it's cool to write about something, but I think that it's not a, sometimes it's not as engaging as a good conversation uh, where yeah. we can actually invite guests as well and just uh, have a good, healthy debate. Uh, it was we were missing that portion, I think, from our uh, our day to day activities. So that's why we decided to launch it. And we're really happy about it. Yeah. yeah. Plus, we get along really, really well. We went to school together. We did communications over in Montreal. Right. So half the time we're just talking about media and film. And then Fred and I were just like instantly hit it off. We've been talking about movies for years. And Fred approached me one day. He's like, hey, you want to do a podcast where we talk about movies? I'm like, that sounds like an excellent idea. So here we are. We like to talk about movies, TV shows, throw in the, the odd video game every now and again. And we just debate it, review it, go from there. And then at the same time, we explore generally whiskey and scotch at the same time because that's another passion of ours. Yeah, we try to stay open as well, discuss other spirits than just whiskey. But uh, yeah, we have it, people will know we That's have a, a definite. Butter. Yeah, we have a definite passion for for whiskeys and scotch <laughs> and bourbons overall. But uh, yeah, no, we enjoy it. It's for sure. Yeah, listen, that's it's not a bad thing. I started off as a whiskey guy, and as I've matured, I've grown into a <laughs> Scotch man. And you know, I I appreciate it. And it's funny that you say that because me and Jay, the two Jays. Yeah. We met in college and did the same thing. Yeah, you, know, you we literally had, we described had, what what we. Yeah, you, you described <laughs> our in, exact relationship. So, so we're like the Canada like, version of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. we're just the American version of you guys. <laughs> whoa, John Reeves level. Whoa, insert right exactly. here. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so it's great. It's great to have. Four best friends, right? You got two and two. It's awesome. Yeah, for so, sure. Thanks for having us, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for much. coming on again. So, guys, like I said, we're going to get into the turning red. So before we jump into with some some questions from Fred, Sean, Jay, initial reactions. I thought what? it was great. Like, I, I, I don't know where to start. Um, okay. I know, like, last we spoke of this. Well, you had saw it at the time. Um, there's a, a scene, uh, spoilers, but we already know this is a spoiler, Kath. Uh, the scene of the jumping on the rooftops immediately felt, I need a VR version of that scene 
because I was thinking of the Spider Verse where he was jumping on the rooftop. I it was very superhero esque, and I'm after we're done with this, I'm gonna go watch that scene again. I'm just gonna. Go and watch I told it. you that was the scene that I was talking about. I yeah. Was like there's a scene at towards the end where it's just like. I need more of that. It's a it's a perfect like Pixar superhero yes. like scene of yes. her just bounding from rooftop to rooftop. And John, yeah, the fact that she reaction. learned to just do that was uh, yeah, was it was great. insane. Um, but just besides the superhero part, because we know that's I'm a nerd about that. Um, uh, other than that, it was really cool. Like I I left I love coming of age stories. You know, since Ferris Bueller, I I really like that. Um, and I love this take place in the 2000s, the early 2000s. It was really cool. Like the Tamagotchi the that she was carrying yeah, on the school was, bag. They had it and it was making the noise. Uh, I can talk about like all the little things here and there, but I love I loved it. I loved nice. it. I, I can see it again. So. I thought it was quite well well done as well. Um, I particularly liked that it was a Canadian set story. We don't see too many yeah. of that, especially from American productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was interesting. The last one that I can even think of was like Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, which I actually just watched the other day. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was like turning red. I'm like, I feel like I need to watch Scott Pilgrim, which is also set in <clears> Toronto. <throat> so with turning red, I quite liked it, but I don't think it hit me the same way as Soul did a couple I, of years ago. I said the same thing to my fiance. I was like, it ain't Soul though. Yeah, and so I would. It's definitely better than Luca, which came out last yeah. year. Still, need uh, to see. Is, I agree. Yeah, which is uh, Pixar's most recent one. It's also better than Onwards, which is what came mm-hmm. out right after Soul. I, w- I I liked turning red better. I, I can see some reactions, um, but I, if I were to give it a review off the top of my head, I would say it's probably an eight. It was it was quite enjoyable. Yeah. I love the uh, the anime references, like when she bursts oh. into the school and she does like a Naruto right away. Mm. Uh, the way the eyes change to like anime eyes to express either extreme excitement or extreme sadness. I thought that was very on point. Very early two thousands for us. That'd be like YTV. At like yeah, eight yeah. o'clock after school specials with yep. the Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball things. Like I was that. thinking of like Totally Spies or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was it was <laughs> right in that alleyway, that that vein. And I particularly like the relationship between the daughter and the mother. Mm. Um, yeah. I would say at the end of the day, very interesting, uh, a very accurate representation of a culture and a family, without perhaps the emotional home run they were aiming for. So I think I agree with you. Just my initial thoughts too. Um, right off the bat, uh, I, I think I would give it like an eight, eight point five because there is that like that home run that they're missing. Like I think all around it was a great movie. Um, you know, growing up, I, I had some friends that were Asian American, and it, it hits on exactly those same notes, like what they were known for, the dynamics between the parents and the kids. You know the weird anime drawings in the notebooks like it's perfect spot on my girlfriend's friend is um asian canadian and she just watched it and she was like i just watched like my relationship with my mom yeah mm. yeah like, like that's that's that, it I, it's they good to know that, 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 that what they were going for yeah like, they captured I, that I relationship that. so well yeah, it reminded yeah. me a little bit of the relationship in shang chi between the father oh, yeah. and the, the two children yeah. as well, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of pressure put on kids from yeah. Yeah. Uh, Asian immigrant families in North America who are like, we want nothing but the best for you, but because we want nothing but the best for you, you have to listen to us as we sort of guide you on your path. And the kids are usually like, no, like I want to do my own thing. Yeah. Like you have to give up 
other things yeah. so that you can solely focus on what they want yeah. for and you. I, I do want to touch on something too. Uh, like I know it focused on like Asian American or Asian Canadian culture. It it is relatable because and you know coming from my my family, like even in Caribbeans in general, they have that similar sentiment where. You know, it's it's an immigrant story where like they came from their their uh their land or wherever whatever country they came from, and they have that pressure on their kids. Like it does. I wasn't. It's not as uh, dramatic as the movie, but you know, my dad always wanted me to work on you know work with my hands. Well, kind of I do that now, but I'm more of a writer. I'm more of a like a thought. You know, you know, I'm a thought creator mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, I didn't get that pressure from my dad, but he had those ideas for me. So it could have been different where my dad would have just been like, you need to do this. And then I would have just kind of resented him for that, which I don't, which is, I, I understand, but I don't know. My dad was like the yeah. exact opposite because he's an engineer and he's like, mm. whatever you do, don't be an engineer. <laughs> so it was, it was just the opposite of that. He's like, here's my knowledge. You can do anything you want. Just don't do what I do. It's funny because I think I had like a a way, way, way watered down version of it Mm -hmm. because my parents being very Americanized, born in New York and all that, my grandparents were the ones that came from Puerto Rico and they came and immigrated over. But at that time, Puerto Rico was already a commonwealth and it wasn't like a massive thing. I think my grandparents came over when they were like five, something like that, both of them. And it was just such a weird thing because I got it more so from my parents than my grandparents of like, you have to do all of these things and do this piece. It was like, you have to finish high school, go to college, and then you have to get a very well-paying job. When I did the whole college thing, originally, I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to become a graphic designer. And I got talked out of it by many relatives. and like, no, there's no money there. Why are you going to do that? You have to go to business. So that's how I ended up in marketing. So I kind of, I think to your point, Jay, I understand, but I don't really know because the pressure wasn't as dramatic as the movie. It was just kind of like a watered down version of like, well, we want the best for you because of what we came from. Uh, Fred, we were talking about like expectations of family. Is that something that you had to go through as well? Well, a little bit. Funny because you mentioned that your dad is an engineer. Mine as well. It's he, He's a chemistry engineer. Is that what the term it's is? Chemical? But he did his MBA. Yeah, is a chemical engineer. Thank you. Um, but when he, done, uh, he did his MBA, he was able to do other positions and to work in other industries as well. But yeah, he always mm-hmm. had that whatever you do, work hard to be the best at what you do, but still select something that you mm-hmm. love. Because if you don't love it, you won't be good at it. So that was always something that i strive to is that i i need to find an industry that i'm comfortable in um that at least i'm feel motivated to be the best at what i can be so working hard at that then we picked the (laughs) one industry media where there is so few doors (laughs) actually open to do the thing we want to do hence why we do podcasts exactly i was just gonna say i was like yeah that's we do these podcasts as our as our our escape right where we get to talk about things i'm right brother i remember being in college (laughs) and they were like yeah because we do college and university here so we're i was in college and they're like Mm -hmm. i'm in the media program i'm like well how can i do this at the university level and they're like wow you got to go do communications it's going to open up so many doors it's such a prestigious diploma and then when you get out you're gonna have all these jobs waiting for you 
Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> all them dreams. Yeah, yeah exactly. things. Uh, I yeah. think may have changed I, since I was giving that speech. <laughs> I can't even. I can't even explain how many like how many jobs there were. So when I came out of marketing, I was like, oh, you know what? I did business. I did what I was supposed to do. I'm going to come out. I'm going to have a six-figure salary my first year, and I'm going to freaking kill it. No student loans, nothing. So I worked as a fishmonger for the first two years after college, and I didn't break into marketing for like two and a half years after Mm -hmm. college. Mm -hmm. And then when I did, it was at the lowest level you could possibly think where a monkey could literally do the job. So it's, it's insane because, you know, you think getting into business, like, oh, you know, there's businesses everywhere. You have all these jobs and it's, I can't tell you how many interviews and jobs that I, I got, but they were all like scams and like door to door salesman stuff and all that. And it it took forever to actually get a real job in the mark, in the field. And then once I got that job, it was garbage. It was absolutely terrible. Like it was treated like shit. It was not a fun thing. And then you know, it's taken me seven or eight years to finally like getting towards a path where I can grow as a, as a person and within my career. Yeah. It's funny thing because they teach us that life is supposed to be this, like a straight line in a Mm -hmm. graphic, but like most realistically speaking, it's more like fucking disease everywhere. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's, it's a straight line, right. Until like you're done with high school and then it plummets and then your, your whole thing is like making your way back up to the, it's just a roller coaster basically, but pretty much it has no stressful roller coaster. But again, that's why we have outlets (laughs) like this. So we were talking about soul before quickly. And we, I think we all agree. Like Fred, you've seen soul, right? Yeah, I've seen Soul, and I think that was one of my mo- uh, big questions for you, since uh, I'm the uncool kid on the block and I haven't seen Turning <laughs> Red, but it's on my list for sure, because I really like Soul. And I think that this mm-hmm. really got me to thinking that since Lasseter left Pixar, I think Pixar is really trying to find social justice in its projects. Like, there's mm-hmm. really an interest to open up to different communities and cultures try to yeah. go different places in the world and just to be inclusive in terms of communities and um, I mean, ethnicity, races, everybody yeah. around the world. And I think that's a really just cause. It's really cool that I see. Yeah, we're uh, stepping away from that. like cars so do you and th- toys and things like that. And we're actually doing stories yeah. about people. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's true. And so I think really break a, a chord for me when I saw this, like, damn, this is so good. This is really like focusing on, not just, I mean, the, 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 not just music. It's not just about music. It's about yeah. what music is supposed to make you feel. It's about yeah. how good you are as a person to do the right thing. And having seen Turning Red, do you feel, do you still feel that same vibe out of it? That they're trying to be inclusive. They're trying to go beyond perceptions and really treat people for what they are and where they come from, basically. Yeah, I, I would say it. It does what it does, but as we can all, well, well the people that have seen it in this, it doesn't, it doesn't have the home run like Soul did. Like with Soul, like it's something I relate to because I'm an artist uh, per se, like not a drawer, but um, like that scene where they talk about the zone, like I know yeah. what they're talking about and I can relate to that. But I think for people, a lot of people that 
can't really relate to the being an artist, they would say they they love that movie. Like Soul was one of those things that hit the home run. Like, you know, Toy Story 1, you know, Up, or like Turning Red doesn't have the home run, but it does get into um, the word is escaping me. And you said it too. I just forget inclusivity. the word. Yes, it has to have the inclusivity factor. There was a... Oh, sorry. Yeah, I would agree. I think that... Yeah, it's... Uh, okay. Uh, I think that it does the inclusivity thing really well mm -hmm. just because, you know, not only is it about an Asian-American family, but it's also like her friend group is very eclectic. And then on top of that, one thing that I noticed immediately when the scene popped up, when she first turns into the panda at the school and she goes into the into the bathroom, the girl that comes out, she's diabetic and she has the, the I didn't glucose catch tracker that. on her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's in very subtle ways they're just introducing this way of just being extremely inclusive, like where it doesn't even – it's not mm -hmm. like a light is shown on it. It's just a part There's of no the need world, to draw attention to it in a way like attention. where it's like, hey, look over yeah. here. It's yeah. just like this is how it is, yeah. and these are just people. There's no need to like – that's yeah. not the defining trait of that person. Exactly, uh, yeah. That's yeah, so that was – that was the thing for me. I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, that's that's really cool. And it's super in the background where no one's going to notice that. I saw the review thing. from, uh, I think what... it was Cinema Blend. And the guy was like, I didn't mm. like this movie because it was about in, like an, an Asian Canadian family and it couldn't relate to me. So he gave it a negative review and everyone like ripped into him because they were. It, it seems yeah. so opinionated though. Like <laughs> I can't relate. I can't like, I can't relate to like one thing I picked up immediately and we could have all picked up again, spoilers, but you shouldn't be here if you haven't seen it uh, <laughs> to the audience out there. Um, <laughs> not to you, Fred. Not, not to you, Fred. Um, <laughs> there's, in the beginning of the movie, I, I, it was such a commentary and it's very overt too about <laughs> the menstrual cycle. And I was yeah. just like, oh, this is a great way to kind of talk about this and but the thing is i'm noticing with the movies uh, from disney be it pixar or from disney animation yeah. they're pushing yeah, the envelope they were talking and about the, i think that the cool thing i was like itself. oh pixar's going there and they're not even being subtle about it <laughs> i was like yeah. oh okay. like here we yeah. go like yeah and the movie's yeah. called turning red i was very i had a feeling the movie was going to be like... about puberty going in it was just my assumption because i only watched the teaser trailer and then i went in relatively blind like, yeah, well, exactly. I'm like i have a feeling this is going to be one of those like metaphor movies and then like i'm like okay it's going to be a metaphor and then the metaphor just went out the window <laughs> <laughs> the metaphor was there but they yeah. said no 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 this is not the metaphor and, like the mom's holding yeah, like it outside is. the school she's like it's not your tampons <laughs> yeah no i was so thrown it's so funny huh? how Pixar is becoming more and more mature in the subject matter. And it's not even, it, it's supposed at, at first to be for kids, but more and more you watch them and you just like, no, it's, it, it even talks, uh, is talking to us basically as yeah. young adults. So I don't know when exactly at what time in its history Pixar really changed. Well, maybe after Lasseter left, of course, but at which movie they started to think, okay, we can actually talk to adults with our movies and go beyond the happy ending and go beyond um, just yeah. the, the, the childish fun of it. I would say if it's it. not the first 10 minutes of Up, it's probably Inside Out. I, I was going to mention that too. Yeah, Inside yeah, Out. I was going to say, I think the first time we had that like overt nature of mature themes was was Up. You know, we get to see, you know, everyone's favorite old people couple. They can't conceive. Them. And then you're just she there, like, 
so sad. Hugging yourself. Yeah, and then you just and then you the movie like, and you're like, there's still like 90 minutes yeah. left of the movie? You're like, then, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was the it. first two minutes? Oh, okay. And then, you know, then you realize like, one that kind of sticks out where it was very much a theme throughout the first time that I can remember with Pixar yeah. doing it was Toy Story 3. Yeah. Like, the whole theme I was going to mention Story Toy Story 3, like, 3 yeah. Yeah, it's it's the whole theme of it is realizing your like things are going to change whether you like it or not. That's you're obsolete. Yeah, that you can become obsolete yeah. at what time and not. And yeah, having watched Toy Story four, I think like last year, same thing. I was really surprised by the ending, saying okay, like and me at the young age watching Toy Story one, I would have never imagined that that would be the end for for Woody. Like yeah. that they wrote, I was just like, yeah. really? I remember they're going there. That. Interesting. And it's such a metaphor for how we need to live our, live our lives, basically. It just, yeah, it's funny. I was going to say, I remember seeing Toy Story 3 on the big screen and right at the very end when uh, Andy gives up all his toys to Bonnie. Uh, it was like Terry Crews' character in Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I had like the tears coming out. I was like, you get back in there. You get back in there. I was like, I can't be seen crying to a Disney movie <laughs> in the theater in public. But uh, that's... I remember I was emotionally compromised after watching Toy Story 3. It was, I wasn't expecting it because Toy Story 1 and 2 didn't do that to me yeah. despite yeah, me that was something... loving Toy Story 1 and 2. Like, yeah. yeah, that's my favorite movie. Like, I can't differentiate between 1, 2, and 3. Like, I can't rank them because that trilogy is my fa- collectively my favorite movie. Yeah. Like, of all yeah, time agreed so when i saw it, when i ha- I had that exact same moment in the theater and i went with my younger sister she's about five years i'm my sister me. too <laughs> yeah i'm a grown adult and i was in the theater and i was like visibly tearing and like it was i was letting it roll down my face and my sister was like are you crying right now and i was like you don't get it I was like, you don't understand exactly like each of those movies hit us at a at, at the right moment in our age like mm-hmm. even the last one oh well the third one we were in college experiencing to a certain because i think we were, we were our first or second year it was our freshman year our freshman year so it's like we're just like oh this this hurts i don't want to feel like this and it's weird because I, I i've seen a lot of i guess like short like documentaries around toy story and toy story 3 specifically they did that on purpose so the first two were written almost back to back but the third one they waited and you know they even got the same voice actor to re- to come back and do andy and they wrote andy in that third movie to reflect the viewer mm-hmm. because we were in that same ship of like first year of college and all that and we had grown up with these characters and Woody and Buzz and Andy. So they wanted to, you know, make it hit home for those people because that's who they did all these movies for. It was for us. And we grew up with Pixar, seeing it, you know, from toys and bugs and these, you know, anthropomorphic whatevers coming to, you know, fruition where, you know, you got to grow up and some things you got to leave behind. And then, you know, now we're getting into the more mature themes of Pixar going forward, you know, after Toy Story 3, I really think that was the tipping point. Mm. Right. Because, you know, to your point, Fred, talking about Toy Story 4, I didn't originally I didn't think that we needed it. I was a little upset when they announced it. And then I watched it. It was OK. And the ending I was very happy with. It was your ending. Yeah. It was the ending. For yeah. The too. ending made the whole movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I was just like at the end of it, I sat there and I was like, you know what? Good shit. Because Woody was Andy's toy. I was like, it makes so much sense to me that Woody 
you know, couldn't f- find his place, you know, in this new in this new era because it's not where he was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that was you know a very good message to send out and be like, hey, if you're not happy with something, change it. Be yeah. your own man, basically. Is that yeah, you it, think it, that it really... you live for a purpose, but maybe that you don't. You need to think for yourself and go your own right, your own way. And for really what different. makes you happy, like he thinks, yeah, oh, I'm a toy. I'm supposed to make a child happy. But then he sees Bo and he's like, baby, I have to be happy for myself as opposed to being happy for somebody else. And, and that was the struggle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, he got of... into the psyche of all these toys. Like, you know, they're just toys, but at the same time, they are, they have souls. Like, mm-hmm. it's like they're evolving. Like, even you see it with Buzz and Woody. Woody's already evolved. He just doesn't know it yet. Buzz is probably like second. Like, if like, let's say they made a Toy Story five and he was next in line to be to make his own decision so buzz was there he just didn't know he wasn't ready he still yeah, saw I mean, himself as a toy you gotta remember woody was alive right he was a sentient toy for a number of years yeah. so he already went through all the things buzz went through with like exactly. realizing he's a toy and and you know kind of getting into the swing of that and yeah it was just i think in reality we tend to be like oh what's my role in this exactly in this organism right in this giant thing like what's my role here and then when you stop thinking that way and you think of oh what's the thing that i want to do that would make me happy and make me a better me then you can live a better life and more fulfilling and yada 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 and that's the thing that they brought to toy story 4 you just made me realize something really smart is it actually in toy story 4 um Buzz is at exactly the place where Woody was in Toy Story 1 and mm-hmm. Woody is in place where Buzz was in Toy Story 1 being the fish out of water basically and yeah. it, out is uh, out of his comfort zone and Buzz actually no he's he's confident he know where he is he knows what he's supposed to do and he's he's ambitious he, he's determined Woody's a little lost he's like I'm, I'm not sure anymore so yeah that's yeah. that's interesting i didn't think of that that's great yeah. before we get back to turning red because we've been talking pixar just like crazy yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we have been talking about toy story i wanted to just get like a quick reactionary thoughts are we excited or nervous about Lightyear? year I, I am yeah go ahead justin i am beyond excited and i to, share his sentiments to infinity and beyond excited because <laughs> Lightyear isn't written for these idiot kids of today. Lightyear is written for us because the, the moment I freaking saw that that teaser trailer, the poster? I <laughs> screamed inside. My soul jumped yeah, went, for squeak. joy. <laughs> yes. Careful, so, Justin. Gen Zs are going to be insulted by your, <laughs> your comment here. Good, good. It doesn't matter. We were here before yeah. them. Lightyear will be the hill that I die on. So... It was, it was such a the teaser trailer, and we've spoken about this, Jay, on our show. In our show, yeah. I always have problems with teaser trailers because some teaser trailers are great, like Lightyear. Other teaser trailers suck ass, like Matrix Revolution. Yeah, still haven't seen it yet, but we'll get. I hated that (laughs) teaser trailer. I'm a pretty big Matrix fan. I love the three movies. I was upset that there was a fourth one, but I, I get it. Fine. What bothered me with that teaser trailer was, you know, you're supposed to get questions from teasers. Like, you're supposed to get leave being like, oh, shit, like, what's that? What's that? When I watched Matrix Revolutions teaser trailer, I was Revolutions like, or Resurrections? Revolutions or Resurrections, yeah. Resurrections. I'm sorry, Resurrections. Like, Resurrections. When I saw that one, I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, exactly. This doesn't even seem 
like there's a through line here. Like this, it was too many questions and not enough, like I guess, build up or hype for it. Whereas with Lightyear, they gave me a lot of questions because I was like, what the hell is that? What is he doing? You know, is Zerg going to be there? What's that cat thing? But the through line, the story that they told within the teaser trailer hooked me so deeply because it was just, you know, a familiar character. It's showing that Disney and Pixar can branch off and do other stories within this like meta universe almost because it seems like he's going to be the... I guess the show or toy equivalent, right? Because in Toy Story, Buzz exists as a as a toy, but he has like a mythos mm-hmm. behind him. So this is going to explain it. And the yeah. teaser had so many nice nods to it, you know, from the flight trajectory that they showed on the screen, which is also on his packaging. Yep. Um, the ship is almost in the same way. It's obviously it's not this big, like boxy Back, thing, yeah. but it's it's similar. And then he has like the propulsion system that he uses. It's that crystal thing that he spoke about. And it, it, it was just so good. Even down to where he gets scared by the cat and he does the Kung Fu pose. That was something that he did in Toy Story 1. On the bed. <laughs> so, yeah, I was so enamored by it. And maybe it's biased because I love those movies. But I was so enamored by it. And then, you know, he sees the suit there like almost like an Iron Man suit. And it, you know, it seems like there's a lot of purpose to it, you know, in terms of like, it's like a souped up astronaut suit. Mm. And at the end, them ending it with like to infinity and boop, and then it like ends off. And the whole thing is set to David, Mo- David Bowie's song. It was fantastic. It was All perfect the marketing there. Yeah. Yes. It, it, got, it, got, it got us. They got me for sure. So I'm extremely excited. Sorry, I kind of went on a huge rant. Everything there. that Justin said just reinforced just it. What he said. <laughs> copy yeah. paste. Yeah, exactly. Yes, copy I'm pretty paste. excited about Lightyear. <laughs> well, uh, as a Toy Story fan and as a fan of Pixar as a whole, I- I'm very curious as to what the tone is going to be. Per the trailer, it looks very much like an action adventure sci-fi epic. Yeah. And talking about like these emotional home runs, I wonder what the emotional through line for us is going to be. I'm just very curious of uh, where is Buzz going to be at the end of this movie versus where he is at the beginning because he's not the toy Buzz. This is the real Buzz Lightyear. This is a human. I want to know how is this Buzz going to affect us as the audience and what what problems does Buzz have and like things like that. So I'm genuinely curious to see where the story is going to go. Yeah. I have a feeling that it might not be as emotional as previous Pixar works. It's going to, to me, it looks like a mix of the new Star Trek movie universe, the first one, and uh, Lost mm-hmm. in Space. So I have a feeling it's going to kind of hit on that. So it's going to be him going out, something doesn't go right, makes some you know crazy friendships, and then figures it out at the end. I think the emotional through line is going to be because in this universe, he doesn't look like he's a hot shot. It doesn't that, look yeah. like he's coming from. I was going to say there's something crowd. internal as well. I feel like it's going to be something internal that he's trying to amount to something. Yeah, I think and that's what it's going to be. That's, that's what I'm getting. The, the ramp up is he's trying to prove that he can do this. You know, for if it's for himself or for someone else, he needs to prove that he can be this guy and he can do this thing. Because he's so not. So I think that's going to be. And then at the end, I have a feeling that. And me and Jay spoke about this. I think it, it could go one of two ways. 
it's either going to be the ending is, you know, he launches and he's able to do that thing. And then we never know if he makes it back home. And technically that could be like the coma that toy buzzes in mm-hmm. before he Restart wakes up commands. on Andy's bed. If you're the, yeah. If you start, like, yeah. start to connect the Pixar universe, if you wanted to go there. Or it's going to lead into multiple properties. I can totally see an after credit scene where he crash lands on uh, an alien <laughs> planet and we see it from the perspective of someone else and we see it coming through the atmosphere and then the camera turns around and it's a realistic looking Woody. <laughs> so instead of him landing on Andy's bed, he's he, landing on Woody's planet. Like what I told his, Justin, his city. it's like cowboy versus aliens, but like yeah. in that it's something like Firefly. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what it Are is. You excited for it? Uh, yeah. I would, on my end, I would say I'm no, I would say I'm I'm curious more than I'm really excited because um out of this Toy Story movies, I think I always more I always connected a little more with Woody's character than Buzz. Agreed. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm curious as what is their their intention with this because I, I totally saw the shift in tone. Like this is more an exciting adventure like it's a little more childish like the first toy story was which is okay which is cool so pictar's intentions is what exactly is it okay are we supposed to forget about the old buzz and now this is the original buzz the real buzz so we are moving with him moving forward or is this just supposed to be like just a sidestep and then we come back to the 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 toy narrative so yeah i'm i'm curious so is it something that would complement toy story or is it something that's like the exactly because after toy story 4 i mean i don't want to spoil it too much for people who haven't seen the movie but it's it's hard to see what they're going to do after toy story 4 so i'm just like are they out of ideas and they're just like okay we'll do an origin story for buzz but the real buzz for sure um and how are they going to connect everything with the toy story universe so a lot of questions i think more than excitement curiosity Mm -hmm. most of all yeah definitely a lot of intrigue i definitely can't wait to go see it regardless and then see it for myself maybe when it's all out we'll meet up together talk right (laughs) yeah (laughs) stay tuned stay tuned for sure yeah so let's get back to turning red you know the the name of the episode (laughs) For sure. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure our audience is used to us going on tangents. So. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> yes, let's get back to turning red. So, what did we do? So, we we went from initial reactions. We were talking about the family. Any other questions that are coming up for you, Fred? By any chance? I think I have one because I think you said, well, this ranks pretty high in the risk, uh, the, the list of like most recent Pixar projects. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe not your favorite, close to. But there may be a few things missing that are not totally like make it like a top a top notch or top tier movie for pixar for you but i would say like after this where would you like if for net for the future pixar movie that you're going to see or the future pixar project uh, staying on the subject of culture and inclusivity and just social justice what do you like Mm -hmm. to see for the next pixar film what do you think we should focus on in total of cultural maybe aspirations certain communities around the world that haven't been represented yet or certain uh, countries that we want to explore i don't know what if you want to see a future pixar film somewhere on in a a certain reality or community which one would it be like where do you see it basically if you had a personal preference it's a big question one (laughs) question i'm trying to like one comes to mind for me question 
um if if you guys don't have if you guys don't have one yeah, go ahead. i need to formulate my pixar movie in my head so what one comes to mind for me and it's you know it might be a little i guess biased again just you know i would love to to have one that shows and it could be pixar or disney i guess but i would like to have one that shows puerto rican culture or mm. maybe even caribbean culture because when it comes to just in my opinion, when it comes to the public's view of Latin America, it's typically seen as Mexican, right? It's just, that's what it is. It's been it's like that my entire night. life. When you speak about Hispanic or Latin America, it's typically, it conjures up the thoughts of, of Mexican, uh, of Mexico or Mexicans. And that's fine, but there's so many other Latin cultures so I was really happy with Encanto and how they came out and it was, you know, very Colombian forward and it, it took things from their culture, from food, music, everything, uh, even we down to talk like, about Bruno, though. yeah, <laughs> even down to the character creation, you know, it was such a great job that they did. I would love to see Pixar, you know, last time I think they did something extremely cultural, you know, obviously before turning red was brave. And I think they knocked it out the park in terms of or Coco or Coco. Oh, yeah, yeah Coco, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So Coco too. Sorry. So, you know, Coco and brave having those things of like immersing the you in the culture, which I think is a fantastic thing. And I think Pixar does that very, very well, making this world believable lived in and just immersing you in it where you just completely forget about everything else. So I would love to see something like that in, in the Caribbean islands or, you know, personal preference for me would be Puerto Rico and, you know, just showing the differences in those cultures because in, in the Caribbean, just those islands, those, that small chain of islands, there's so many different. Yeah, and there's a, there. there's a lot of, islands. you know, there's like in the me, thousands, me and Jay are both from that area, you know, ancestrally we're both from that area. Well, and my grandmother and grandfather from that neck of the woods as well. Uh, my grandmother's it's, Trinidad, my grandfather's St. Vincent. Oh, nice. Mm, nice. Yeah. And there's just so many different cultures there, you know. Um, another thing that comes to mind, and I know it's not Disney or Pixar, but in the Heights, I think did a really good job with uh, cultural representation in, you know, New York and having the different Hispanic cultures influencing there. But yeah, I think for Pixar, I would love to see them do some sort of Caribbean story. I would yeah. really like to see, because we're talking about specific, like, here's one culture one culture i'd like to see like a fish out of water so, like with turning red we've seen the asian canadian with luca mm -hmm. we've seen the italians uh i'd like to see something where we'll have someone from one culture who's sort of thrust into another culture so we have a culture clash where someone I like is I like that as well. un maybe uncomfortable and maybe people see him as alien or her and it's sort of how both cultures can learn from one another. So as I just mm. mentioned, uh, most people see me and they assume straight away Irish, which is totally true. Uh, but when I would say like, yeah, like I got roots to the, the Caribbean as well. And people go like, yeah, right. And there's never a, <laughs> an approach to follow up on that. Like, well, yeah, like, yeah. That's, that I understand that too. Cause there are people out there that are just like, yeah, I'm this certain percentage of this. Mm -hmm. So it, and then it just makes the conversation awkward and weird. Yeah. Um, but I like that you said um, culture clash because I would love like, yeah, I would love to see Haitian stories. But if we're talking culture class, I guess if people don't know, the most famous is the 
Haitians and Dominicans, mm-hmm. especially back Next in the day. Neighbors. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it. There was not a lot of love there, so mm-hmm. it's something I I could see Disney doing a good job, uh, be it uh, Disney Animation or Pixar. I could see them doing a good job if they if they find the story and then they can show the 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 common yeah like a, like a bridge between the two cultures, even though there's exactly. differences and you should celebrate those differences. Exactly, you don't have to point the finger and get like aggressive yeah. towards the differences and find some common ground. So yeah, that's where exactly. I'd like to see Pixar go yeah. next personally. Yeah. I think that would be actually, I think that's, that would be a great way to go. Yeah. The first thing that came to mind and uh, I know it's not the same, but it reminds me of the, the karate kid remake with uh, Jaden Smith Yeah, ah, where he yeah. goes and there's that big element of culture clash because, you know, he's from, I think he's from like, Detroit or something, and yeah. he goes like he's in the middle of China yeah, like, Beijing. the next yeah. day. Yeah, and it's just like he him trying to live there and hating it so much because it's not home and the people treating him differently because of who he is. So yeah, I would love to see Disney and Pixar tackle that kind of concept it's, because it's not a they would Pixar or Disney, but that's why I love Tokyo Drift. Totally different subject, totally different subject. I'm just <laughs> shoehorning that in now. But that's why Tokyo Drift works for me. <laughs> Tokyo Drift. That's, I don't think I've ever heard somebody say that's why Tokyo Drift hey, works it, for me. It, the movie may not be great for many people, but that aspect alone is that's that screams out like good, yeah. you know, good culture clash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Tokyo Drift as well. Yeah, that's a guilty pleasure movie. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I get that. To I'm actually one of the few people I really like Too Fast, Too Furious. Oh, I'm not sure I with you like there, that. but please defend yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an un, unpopular opinion, but I, I liked it a lot. Well, you're you're not going to like my article that's going to come out uh, in a week or so. <laughs> I can't wait to read it. I can't wait to read it. Uh, I have one for Pixar for next, but maybe it's too ballsy. So, like, walk with me here. But with everything that's going on right now, Ukraine, uh, speaking about Ukraine specifically, um, mm-hmm. the realities of war, but as a young kid trying to live in this. So, somewhere based, I don't know, they can do a period piece also, maybe something related to the end of the Soviet Union or something. But like in Eastern Europe countries, like Ukraine, uh, Czech Republic, uh, even Russia at some point, but the realities of war and try to cope with it as a growing person. I think there's something there. It all depends how they want to portray it because it's still Pixar, but talking about maturity and trying to teach as much as possible for for kids to have hope and try to learn out of this because it's a big period for uncertainty and their the parents haven't really lived this um, for so many years. So I think there's something there. I think if Pixar want to stay actual and they want to really like address the elephant in the room, I think a period, either a period piece or an actual piece on war and families yeah. living the horrors of war, I think can work. But again, it's all a question of tone. And I think that the the direct comparison I have is I don't know if you've seen the movie um, the Italian movies is um, La Vita e Bila I think yeah La Bench, Dolce, oh, sorry is it is it the name La, La Vie est Belle in French La Vie uh, uh, yeah by Robert yeah, yeah La Vie Beautiful La Vie. thank you um, I think with that tone I think it worked perfectly because it's it, it is on war it's a sad film but there's there's a whimsical a nature childish to it. yeah so exactly. yeah I. 
there's a childish the nature that, to it that it's easier to digest basically yeah the yeah. movie that came to mind for me and i i think it, it's definitely not for children but i feel like if they were to look at it as reference uh jojo rabbit uh, yeah yeah uh, yeah so that's one like i just popped in my head i was like i enjoyed the movie and you know i'm an adult who can watch this movie but it's a very adult movie to a certain degree oh to a degree but i think if they use that as reference because you're using the kid as a, a gateway to see war yeah um but he's not actually yeah. in the war yeah how yeah, i'm gonna say the same thing the propaganda so basically yeah how through a child propaganda works and how it applies yeah i think that jojo rabbit would be a perfect example if they do an animation of that film it would have worked i think for pixar but that's just me <laughs> I think the weird thing with Pixar is uh, for that to work, I think they would have to not be afraid to really pull their punches. Push the, push like they the couldn't pull their punches is what I'm saying. Yeah. So why like Life is Beautiful works is they're not afraid to poke fun at the war and like what's happening, right? I What comes to mind is that scene where they're in the car and they're going through the town and he's telling people to move away and he's like almost making mm -hmm. the Nazi salute. So that's a type of thing that they would have to do to kind of bring some levity to, to the situation. And I don't know if Pixar would do that. Yeah. As weird as this might sound in my head, I can see them kind of merging Jojo rabbit and maybe a little bit of like, and this would be a very, you know, rough thing to do, but the story of Anne Frank, I could mm. see Pixar doing a Pixar version of Anne Frank mm. and, you know, telling that story through, you know, maybe a lighter lens and bringing it to, to kids and showing them, you know, there is some bad things out there, but there's always hope at the yeah. end. Mm -hmm. So and I, I they know that, how to do that. Yeah, like, I, I think, think that would be immediately as a kid, you know, Lion King, like I, we were talking about this in college freshman year. It was one of the things that me and Justin connected on, like Mufasa died. And a it's like, death. that just doesn't click. Yeah, we, yeah. I'm just like, to me, my thought process, you know, they sing the song Circle of Life and you're just like, oh yeah, he just turned into his dad, but I'm like, no, no, he's dead. So I think Disney itself as a company did a good job, you know, holding the hands of a child in the movie theater yeah. and just, it's not like not to be, don't be afraid of certain things, just a mm -hmm. way to explain it. Yeah. Um. I and and you know we say it like that, but in nowadays modern times, yeah, yeah, they 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 don't have to pull their punches, but you know do it in a way where it's like have the 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 younger audience understand what's going on. Yeah. And I think they also did it really good in I don't know if anyone's seen it, but it was in that phase where Disney was doing random sequels yeah. and prequels. Uh, the Peter Pan a straight sequel, to DVD. Yes, they did or it. Straight to VHS. Yeah, the straight. Uh, to yeah. DVD. It's been a while. I don't remember it that well, but yes. <laughs> but yeah, in the Peter Pan sequel, the whole thing takes place during World War II, and Wendy's oldest daughter Jane, I think was her name, and she's you know she's kind of like taking care of the family. She's running through the city, you know, bringing home groceries or whatever, and you, you know, she has a helmet on because the bombing raids are happening. Got it. And, you know, she's trying to, like, make her way, you know, to the bunker back home. And, you know, she gets upset with her mom because her mom is obsessed with Peter Pan and talking about, you know, how great it is. And she's like, you don't see what's happening outside. Like, these things are happening. And, you know, she's trying to be brave for her uh, for her son. And she's telling Jane, like, you know, there's always hope. You got to stay, like, happy because that's how you make it through this. And at the end, I believe it ends, like, with the war coming to an end it might have been world war one actually and i think it comes to an end and like the soldiers come through and dad comes home and everything's bright and shiny but 
but yeah, they did it there. And they, they talk about the fact that there's a war going on and you hear the sirens and, you know, you see the bombs getting, getting, uh, dropped and going things with, uh, going up. Narnia was a little bit like little this bit, as well. Yeah. Uh, if I yeah. remember correctly, yep. yeah. I yeah, think with Fred's idea, an interesting yeah. aspect mm-hmm. that could work from a Pixar point of view is that in the middle of this war, two kids from opposite sides of the conflict find themselves together, and they're mm. all like, "Like you're the enemy, you're the enemy," and then mm. they're sort of forced to survive that would be together. Excellent first grip, yeah, yeah. The so then they're sort of like type deal. dependent yeah, on that. each that other. That might be a great, yeah, that would be a great. And to not see one nation as the enemy totally, but maybe it's more like the government more than the people. So if you have like to take the recent example of right now, I mean, like your Ukrainian kid and the Russian kid actually meeting at the border and trying to find the good in the situation and just enjoy themselves and see that it's not it's not their fault maybe it's not the it's not the population mm-hmm. of russia's fault it's beyond their control don't, vil- don't vilify to find anyone. peace you have to find like, it's not not all people exactly. on the other side find... of the border they're not all bad people and yeah. at the end of the day they're just people exactly. uh, yeah there's there's yeah. definitely potential for a story like that there is 100%. Yeah, of course. Disney's All the Disney execs right, right now are taking our notepads and they're just stealing all of our ideas. They're, they're going to have to delete like, all this. You know, they're going to be like, all right, we own this yeah, now. Because you the said copyright Disney. is <laughs> it's in there. It's already patented by the time, even before this is uh, published, because they're listening to us like live somehow because right? of Disney. <laughs> yeah. And then we're gonna have like spooks falling in this play with sniper rifles trained on us. Like if you yeah, exactly. word of this, so you not, can't, you can't talk about this, this anymore. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm, we're gonna have to like stop the show. Yeah, we're can't everything. We can't put out <laughs> any more content. But okay, so coming back to the topic of discussion, we're turning red, right? I know we've kind of gone off a lot. It's been more of like an inside Pixar thing, which I'm totally fine with. So maybe we just maybe. ran the episode to inside Pixar. Uh, no, the visual effects, back, man, you can talk about the visual effects of the episode if you want like how visually stunning it, was it <laughs> honestly that was one of the things i'd noticed Beautiful. like i remember there was a meme for uh incredibles 2 it's like this is why it took so long to make this and they it's like a zoomed in version of uh his of his shirt you can see the cotton uh like the fibers. yeah so like in this one i'm looking at everything um you know to her clothes just the world there's this one scene, and it's such a weird scene to just notice this, but you'll notice if you watch it again. I think there was like a, I think someone, something happened. There was just like a mini earthquake or whatever. And there's a glass of water that just, you know, trickled. And I was like, that's water. Like, that's not CGI. That's water <laughs> in the movie. How did they get that in there? I feel like Pixar like, so has done good a tremendous job they... with inanimate objects and environmental objects. With like I think I noticed exactly. in particular with Toy Story Four at the beginning it's raining, and I'm just like, yeah, that's yes. just water, yes. as you said. Like that doesn't feel animated to me. Uh, I think Soul had exactly. the same thing. Like New York City was alive in Soul. Yeah, um, I would say the last two, Luca and like, Turning it, Red, like the animation's still stunning, but I don't think it had that same like wow factor. So I was going to say that, like, with, you know, I haven't seen Luca, I guess, because there is a shift in animation. Like, uh, to me, Pixar is, you know, Nemo, Monsters, Inc., Car- like that type of style. And it shifted, like, and I don't, I, 
I don't want to say it's turning me away. The name Pixar already has me, but it's just like with Luca and turning away, it's just different. Because when I go back and I look back at Toy Story 1 or Bugs Life, they, they don't look the same to me. So there's just something off about it or different, not off. I was going to say the, the last two Pixar movies, Turning Red and Luca, okay. have felt more like Disney movies. Disney animation, yes. Like, yeah, yes. I watched Luca and then I watched Encanto and then I watched Turning Red. And I can't really tell them apart. Exactly. Yeah, they blur the lines there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And whereas Soul was so Pixar. Yes, you feel that. Yeah, you feel the Pixar. And I feel like we haven't had a Pixar movie since Soul. I mean, granted, it's only been two years, but it's been three movies now. Yeah. And between Encanto, I'm going to count that as four. Oh, yeah. And they had a Ride by the Last Dragon. Which I haven't watched. I haven't seen that either. I I haven't watched that yet. Yeah, but, but I would definitely say that there's a, a shift in tone yeah, with the studio. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned that John Lasseter is no longer with the company. I believe the current head of Pixar is, I'm not sure if it's the writer, producer, or director of Frozen, mm-hmm. but it's one of the creative heads of Frozen who is in charge of Pixar. And that would mistaken. make a lot of sense. Yeah, th- and that's why I'm thinking why the Pixar movies are feeling like Disney movies. Yeah. Do you feel so like. I think- it, yeah, go ahead. So I think that what Pixar has always done in terms of like texture and like, I guess, environments, they've always been very kind of like, I guess for lack of a better word, like anal on how they show it. Like it's always been very detailed, like, you know, even especially for like those times, Toy Story 1 to Toy Story 4, you could tell the drop in quality, right? Like you, like if you watch 4 and then watch 1, it's it looks like garbage. But <laughs> in those times, like Pixar was leading the pack and you could see the textures of everything, the different patterns. Everything was beautiful to the point where like you were in the real world. But then you kind of take, you pull back and all of the characters are always that cartoonified personas that, you know, just helps us digest it. So as we go forward animation techniques are only getting better so we're seeing you know the environments and the textures and whatever outside of the characters keep getting better to where they're so realistic where it's making the characters seem even more cartoony i feel like with soul they did a really good job at making those characters like reflect the environment that they're in so those characters were real um, until you get like to the ghost forms and all that but those characters were human and they had yeah. human lives and they were human and they were, you know, shown as human. When you go to like turning red, they were almost like a cartoonified version of what humans would be. Yeah. Right. Because like to your point, right, you got those like big watery anime eyes and all that. Like those things didn't happen in Soul. Right. They they left that to when it became like the the ghost and soul versions of them. That's when they kind of got a little more cartoonified and it was a nice split. Same thing they did with like Inside Out, right? The re- the real world was very real, and you lost yourself in that. And then the behind the scenes with all the emotions and everything, that was kind of like the cartoon version, and that just helps you digest yeah, what's it's happening. Like a world within a world, there is a exactly. barrier between the yeah. two. The, the two don't yeah. really interact, mm. but exactly. they just, are dependent on each a, other. Yes, so one is just a vehicle to help you understand what's happening in the real world. Yeah. So with Turning Red, it's and with Luca too, I guess it's just you're in this world, just yeah. like in Disney. In Disney, it's just you're in this world and it's fantastical and things are happening. So there's no longer that kind of split of like what Pixar I think was always known for was the surrounding real world and then 
the movie representation of what's actually going on. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, what do you think that, I guess, Pixar, I don't want to say Pixar is going to disappear, but it's, I guess, going to absorb Disney animation and be the new animation because it seems like they're streamlining everything going mm, forward. I hope not. I hope, I, I hope not too, uh, but that, that seems like the direction they're going. It is a worry. And I, with Turning Red, I think Turning Red's target audience was definitely for a younger demo. It's probably yeah. a reaction of Soul where a lot of kids were like, I didn't get it. And they made Turning Red, I think, as a movie that was more digestible for kids. Mm-hmm. It's quicker. It's not as emotionally compromising, I guess would be a good word. Yeah. And I wonder if with the TikTok generation, if they're going to start making these movies more digestible. Yeah, mm, probably. That's a, that's a sad that. thing to hear. Because yeah. <laughs> we need studios and movies and filmmakers to create content that's going to challenge the viewer. A hundred. You, we're in the same boat. Like we can talk about like Zack Snyder's movie at a different time, <laughs> yeah. but I, we're in the same boat. It's because like even forget Zack Snyder's movie, but just even long movies in general. Like you know, when it comes and it comes not to get super into the the nitty gritty of the the cog of all of it. Like you know, you got the suits that want certain things, and they give you this. It has to be only an hour and 45, but it's like, oh, but I have this story that's like about two and change. And it can be told in that, but they're, they're given this quota. Um, and that's what happened and, with uh, Justice League. Yeah. Yeah. And so like going back to, you mentioned the TikTok uh, generation, it's like, it's the, the intention span is, it's not there. And it, that's scary. Yeah. And we enter a bigger yeah, discussion and, oh, sorry, go ahead, Justin. No, I was just going to real quick. I was just going to say, I have a feeling that if Pixar ends up going that way, where it kind of gets incorporated with uh, Disney animation, I think it'll be instead of every Pixar movie kind of challenging you on one theme or one emotional like through line, it'll be every like fourth or fifth Pixar movie will do that. Whereas the other ones will just be like filler for kids. Yeah. It's like that more like, easily. Like, like the thing. good dinosaur. I was just like, I thought it was. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nothing. I, I don't even remember the good dinosaur. I just remember. Oh, I saw it. Cool. Keep it moving. Yeah, this brings much. like a big, mu- bigger conversation on like what kind of money do you need to make in order to make money? And it's funny because I, I, I have like I don't know the Batman in my head, but it's they're actually discussing that it's making as much money or it's in course to make as much money as Spider Man No Way Home. And yes. I'm just like, yeah, okay, so this is a clear indication that the TikTok generation, and I mean, the, the we're only making one single type of movie that actually can make money moving forward. Everything else, either streamline or we need to cut it and make a shorter film. So it's just, I, I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic about the future of the movie business, but it's looking that way. So, I mean, if Pixar is actually like brought into like the big umbrella of Disney animation. I mean, I think people almost expected that it already happens because it all it's all part of the Disney Plus machine. So they're just like, oh, it's a yeah. part of Disney. So we don't see the difference as I mean, just normal average viewers who like uh, the, the younger generation, maybe not movie movie aficionados like us because we know the difference. But yeah, I grew think, up with it, too. Yeah, we did. So yeah, I think we'll probably move closer to like how all these streaming giants are emerging, right? We have HBO Max, Disney Plus, Paramount, Paramount Plus. I think now we're going to start seeing where like those more, I guess, challenging films, 
if they're not indie productions, they're going to end up being originals under those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like that's where people are going to be able to watch and see them. We might see a bigger rise in indie films now because, yes, this Gen Z, right, the, the TikTok generation, is their attention span isn't there. But after a while, there'll be a tipping point for a lot of pop culture aficionados where they're going to want more. It's already happening where we want different types of movies. And like when something, you know, challenge, I was talking to Jay about this when we were actually going through our Oscar show uh, oh, yeah. our episode. And I was talking about a couple years back, um, there was a black and white film that was Roma. Si- I, Remember that it was the black and white film. I think it was French. Was it men? Oh no, the artist, artist. The artist. I know which one. Oh, the, yes, artist. the artist. Yeah. Yes. The artist. To me, you know, at that point in time, I was watching every single Oscar movie all the time. So when the artist came out, I was like, all right. But then it won Best Picture, and I was like, it only won because it's in black and white, and it's like a different format. So I think moving forward, it's going to be things where once we start, like. To mirror what you were saying, where everything's kind of shifting to the same thing, just so that people can digest it and you know make money, it'll come to a breaking point where now it's just gonna we're gonna need things that challenge us, need different formats, need things because we're gonna start, I guess, passing our ideals down to the next generation. So we're gonna crave these different film, you know, genres and formats, and that's gonna trickle down the same way as like. I picture it like records, right? Records were gone for decades. No one gave a shit about a vinyl. And then out of nowhere, everyone wants them now. They were, you know, super commercialized. And you can pick them up at Target now, where it's like before you had to go thrifting for it. Mm. Or like maybe you found something cool at Urban Outfitters because back in the day it was the cool spot. Now it's, again, commercialized. So it's all a cycle. We'll get back to it. But right now we're in that growing pains of like, everything's the same it, you know it's and more still than ever yeah it kind of reminds me of like in in the commentary in ready player one where it's the future but they look into the 80s and that's the more popular thing in the future so it you're right there's going to be a point where we revisit things and it's going to be cool and then it gets commercial it just keeps going and going bring on the 90s yeah. nostalgia i say yes please yes <laughs> yeah you. i don't know if you can't tell but that you know, for the audio listeners, I'm pointing at my Lego set back there. It's the Friends Cafe. It's Central Perk from Friends. Nice. Full Lego cool. There we go. That was a Lego oh, nice. set, or you just made That's it yourself? Nice. That's so, great. Sean is showing his uh, Lego st- um, TIE Fighter oh, yeah. from Star Wars. Yeah. That was beautiful. I would show you my stuff, but they're like hidden in compartments. <laughs> um, but yeah. I have a couple of Funko Pops that I can show, but uh, most of them are think are for more recent movies. I have the recent Han Solo, and I have Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and I have I James Bond as well. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Not too shabby, but so, um, yeah. I guess so. Now that we've dissected all of Pixar, <laughs> rounding off really quickly, um, just going back to to turning red before we we cap this episode off. I think it was a really good movie. Like I said at the top, probably about an 8, 8.5. The best parts about it for me were towards the end, the final battle between her and her mother. thought that was really cool. Um, then when you see the rest of the the aunts and the grandmother kind of come in, they all embrace the red panda for one final battle. I thought that was really, really cool. And then you kind of see May, uh, 
May May at the end, she embraces the red panda for the rest of her life. She's not going to get rid of it. She keeps it. And, you know, it opens up for a sequel. I don't know what that would look like, but I think it's a well that they can go back to and maybe explore her when she's a little older yeah. and see maybe there's a, some sort of new threat. I can see it becoming a superhero-esque thing, although it seems like everything is becoming superhero-esque. Hey, exactly. But I can see it happening you know, from that. And I told Jay when I saw it from that one scene where she's jumping from rooftop to rooftop, I was like, this is – you're giving me a superhero that like finally figured out her powers. Like she's going to – she can – she can throw hands now, like it's gonna be awesome. Exactly. And then she she goes to fight her mom, and you see, you know, you know, it's a big group effort. But all in all, I think it was a great story. You know, definitely a, a thing for kids to watch, kind of like embracing who you are, rather than succumbing to everyone's expectations of who you are. So I think it's a great slice of life. Really good, like, you know, just coming of age story at yeah. the base of it. You know, although it, it's lacking that big emotional home run that we've been talking about that other Pixar films had, I, I really do think that this had something special there. And I think everyone that watches it can at least grab onto a character within it and see themselves in yeah, some I would say the movie's quite fun, accessible, entertaining. It feels like a, a big summer movie, but you get to watch it on Disney Plus. Yeah. Uh, if you're a child of the 90s, you're probably going to catch a lot of in references. Like I said, the Tamagotchi was a big one. If you're Canadian, you'll catch a lot of cool things yeah. too. Like there's a, a Tim Hortons Timbits at one point. They put it on the table. Nice. And it, it, right. it never draws Perfect. attention to it, but I was like, <laughs> nice. oh, Timbits, Timbits. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool <laughs> things like that. Um, I, I liked the, the conversations between the the mom and the daughter the most for me that was the the heart of the movie uh i, I didn't really care about the big yeah. action mm-hmm. scene at the end of the movie because there's always a big action scene at the end of the movie now so for me it was the all about the characters yeah. the characters say sorry a lot i'm sure they you know <laughs> 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 they need timbit and say sorry all the time <laughs> I was I was waiting for the boots and the saris and I, I didn't really. Yeah, I don't think I they're like they well, definitely really the boot. That, that is definitely a stereotype. But the the sari that that's kind of a thing. Oh man, that's funny. Um, Jay, how about you? No, yeah, like I I think uh, both Sh- you you and Sean, it's similar similar sentiments. Where, like I said, I loved it, but I loved it for what it was. Um, yeah. I didn't. It definitely didn't hit the home run for me. It's like, you know, for people that grew up with with the Pixar. Um, from the beginning, don't expect that 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 heart that that the other ones have. But it's it's a good watch. Um, the one thing that threw me was where it didn't go into theaters. I was like, it's just on Disney Plus, and then yeah. I was like, there it it felt like they were treating it now. Like I went in there with this expectation, they're they're treating it like a straight to well straight to streaming, straight to DVD, and I was like, oh, so it's not. I feel like it's not as special. So I had this kind of expectation where it's a good movie. Take it for what it is, and I enjoyed it. I wasn't let down, but it didn't meet the expectation I had. Y'all sold it really well, so I can't wait to see it. Uh, it's on my list for either this evening or tomorrow morning, uh, if I can, mm. if I have the time. I'm sure I will. So uh, thank you guys, thank you for this. Uh, it didn't spoil it that much, to be honest. I mean, it's still you still gave a really good appreciation by staying really vague. So I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it was a good review. Good I can't wait to see it. I'll uh, I'll give you my my feedback as soon as possible for sure. All right, nice. Cool. Yeah, all yeah, in all, fun it's fun one. for yeah. sure. I think that's the best thing. It's fun. Yeah. So, okay, guys, before we head out here, 
Sean and Fred, if you want to tell the people where they can find you. Well, Fred, we sure. opened up a, a new Instagram. You know the handle there. Oh, nice. I need to fill it up a little more. I, I, it's <laughs> lacking love right it's now. Really yes, new. Instagram. <laughs> it's really new. It's really new. But I'll drop episodes there uh, so you can listen to, to a few bits. But you can find us. So Film and Spirits Podcast on Spotify. Help, uh, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, uh, which else? And I Anchor think, FM. Uh, a lot of other platforms. Anchor, yeah, yeah. basically. And uh, you can go to screenhub.blog slash filmspirits, and that's where we keep all the episodes on the WordPress website as well. So if you just want to bookmark the website, from there you'll find the links to all those platforms. And you can read us as well. So we have our, our ongoing reviews and pieces on ScreenHub Entertainment where we review some some TV shows and recent movies. So you can read on us as well. And uh, yeah, we usually issue an episode, I think, what every once every two weeks. So yeah, for the uh, yeah, podcast, we're, it's we're trying to stay uh, active as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I can ex probably expect Fred will be reviewing uh, the Halo TV show on the horizon. <laughs> Ooh. Well, you won't. Wait to oh, check you'll be out. doing. It. You're the Halo. I want an active debate on this. Yeah. I want an active debate on this. You're the Please. Halo resident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's gonna start next week. I'm yeah. excited. Um, well, stay tuned I think for the stuff first like reviews that. of it was okay, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to discuss it for sure. Yeah, so so yeah, Fred will do Halo probably, and I'll probably do Moon Knight. So you can stay tuned for things like that. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna listen to both. Both very good name drops, and we've talked about talking about them in the future. Um, so yeah, guys, we'll have all the, the links in the description so you can find their website, find their, their channels. Uh, as always, you know, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the average days podcast. We're also on anchor, Spotify, Google, everywhere pods are casts. We are there and that's going to be it for us today. So signing off, I'm Jay, Justin Ruiz. And I'm Jay, Jeremy Francois. Thanks for listening guys.